Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Time and Relative Opinions in Space. And today we're going to be making some slight changes to how we present the podcast. Instead of taking you through the show scene by scene in like a running narrative of the situation, um, we're going to just uh, delve into the episode in a general discussion, talking about what we liked, what we didn't like, favourite scenes, favourite lines of dialogue, etc., etc. I think, yeah, you'll get the uh, idea. <clears throat> and as always, my sidekick through time, the ace to my seventh doctor, Sean Campbell. Hello, Sean. Hello, how are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. How have you been getting on? Back at college or uni? Is, is yeah, it? I started uni. I started like literally the day after I got back off holiday. So that was a bit of a, uh, <laughs> a sharp contrast. But it's been good. It's been fun. I've enjoyed it. All right. Nice one. Yeah, I've just been at work. I've actually been looking after another shop today in a, in a, in a little town called Penkridge, which is oh. different. Yeah, well, you know. Bit of variety, you know, spice of life. Aye, aye. There was a bit of disruption with my trains. So I did think I was going to be late home, but in the end, it wasn't as bad as uh, the internet app was telling me. So, yeah, not bad. So, you've had a long day, and the last thing you need is me dragging things out. So, I'll try and keep it concise today. <laughs> anyway, today we are discussing the empty child and the doctor's dances. Uh, quick synopsis, I can't say it, uh, of the episode. Um, basically, the doctor Amrose land in uh, London, 1941, right in the middle of the Blitz. Uh, they meet another mysterious time traveller who turns out to be... Um, Captain Jack Hartness, um, the uh, sort of monster of the week, for lack of a better word, is a little kid with a with a gas mask who's asking everybody if they're his mummy. The titular empty child. Mm. So, um, sure, it's one of the better episodes, isn't it? This one. What, what did you make yeah, of it? Yeah, I'll just flat out say it now. It's usually the best one we've done so far. I would say. And well, that's not even um, a knock on the other. I don't, I don't mean that as a knock on say Father's Day and Dalek. The other two pieces, and they're still great. I don't know. I, I wouldn't put it that. I'd probably rate Dalek a little bit higher personally. But yeah, these these are excellent episodes, and there's definitely in there an emotional punch in there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's got everything. I think I could just gush about this episode. It's almost, it's just a bit of like, we're not doing the scene by scene anymore, but I could almost do a scene by this episode because almost every scene has something where I'm like, that's brilliant, that's brilliant, that's brilliant, that's brilliant. <laughs> Even just like the big, when they're flying through, uh, you know, the Tartex and the TARDIS and they're just having this like big battle between the two of them. And she's like, why does it move? It's like, it's special colour for danger. He goes, well, what happened to Red? He goes, well, that's just camp according to the rest of the universe. And like, yeah. <laughs> this little exchange but like great and and comedy and horror usually work quite well together because they contrast it and make the scary scenes scary. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and then you get Middle Land as well. The Doctor makes a sort of it's it's not really a fourth wall, but it's sort of a it's sort of obvious the cliche of Doctor Who always being on Earth because he says like you know how long can you go around the universe until you bump into Earth? And everyone's just like, well, you run out of milk in five days. Yeah, I like the bit when um, I think it's funny when he's um, they run into like that little bar, don't they? And he grabs the microphone and he says, "As might be a strange question, but has anything?" Fallen from the sky lately. I'm like, there's complete <laughs> silence for a second because nobody knows what to make of it, and they, I mean, they must assume it's a joke, and they all start laughing. And he asks again, and um, everyone laughs, and then the siren starts, and he, he realizes where he is, and he sort of pulls a face like, what, what an idiot I am. <laughs> Yeah, he has a moment of realization. This is a bit beforehand as well, which is great when him and Rose, when Rose, it's like you should do a scan for alien tech. And he goes, "Well, it landed in the middle of London with a big bang. I'll just ask." And she's <laughs> like, well, "Can you not just like impress me for once?" And he's like, "I oh, will have to impress you." But then you get the uh, the initial mummy call, which will now never not be creepy as far as I'm concerned. I could live to be 100 and I would never not find that creepy. It, yeah, it is very creepy. Um, does it does it does it ring the TARDIS first? Uh, well, Rose, uh, you ring the TARDIS first, but this is after Rose ends up on the air, on the barrage balloon, which is mental, really. It kind of, it's, it sort of works as well, like, you believe it. Like, um... I had down in my notes that like it's just over five minutes into the episode and Rose is already hanging from the skies of London in the blitz on his head. Mm. Like it doesn't really um this episode just goes at it like from the start, basically. Yeah. And then right, he does ring uh, the TARDIS film. And then you get the sort of woman in the background who's like, Oh, who is she? Do we know her? And then she like gives the doctor a warning not to answer the phone. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's ever happened before that episode. Actually, the TARDIS, the TARDIS phone actually ringing. It must have done in the classic series at some point. You'd think. I mean, it went on for about well over 25 years. Yeah, at one they point, might have done. And then, almost, I, I didn't see every single episode of the classic series. I, I wasn't around in the 60s, believe it or not. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, this is the first instance of it I can remember. Anyway, I also like our first sort of um, our first sort of meeting of Captain Jack's pretty cool. And he's he's sort of looking out the window and he's he can see Rose in trouble, Carney, and he says, "Nice butter." He's <laughs> futuristic uh, binoculars, so uh, you know what he's about already, and. Um, But then he just, flirts with the um, Yeah, he flirts with the, the bloke that's there as well, doesn't he? He's like, oh, you've got a nice bottom too. You know, I'm pretty sure it's implied that that soldier later on is into guys rather than yes, uh, yes. women. Because uh, which Rose. is cool. I was, thought, I was thought looking back, Russell T. Davis was kind of ahead of the curve a little bit on like representation in mainstream TV shows and things like that. Yeah, well, he would be because he's, he's, he's a gay man himself. So it makes sense that he... You know, he would want to have gay characters in his shows, and why? And why not? You know, there should be. 
Yeah, absolutely. I also like the doctor's explanation for it as well, where he says, like, well, he's from the 51st century. This isn't like, it's like, it's not even something he would really think about. Like, just, yeah. that, he says, like, this, just like the simple sort of women or men is quite like, and the doctor sort of implies that, like, by his time, that's just like out of the window because you've got like different species and things like that. So it's, it's a lot more complex, I think. Yeah. In that later on. It's like Captain Jack is um, men, women, aliens, uh, whatever takes his fancy, really. Pansexual, I believe, is a term. Fair play to him, I would say. Yeah, and when you look like John Byron, you can do these things, can't you? You, know? <laughs> you certainly can, you certainly can. Because I, I don't know if you will, but I remember him from, um, he had a stint at, in Live and Kicking, the children's Saturday morning TV show in the, in the mid-90s, I think it would have been. I don't, truthfully, I was, Doctor Who was the first exposure to him, although I did watch him in um, Arrow, this was after Doctor Who, but he's, uh, he plays a good part in that, uh, Malcolm Mellon. Yes, yes, uh, I have seen that, he is good, at, he is good in that. And apparently he auditioned, uh, I think for the part of Will in Will and Grace, but he was told he wasn't gay enough, if you can believe that. <laughs> Maybe he took that advice to heart. <laughs> <laughs> Because going forward, yeah, I am. Um, yeah, Captain Jackals, like, I mean, because he, he goes on to be one of the more important characters in the show of the Russell T. Davis era. Uh, becomes the leader of Torchwood and things like that, as we'll get to, and as sort of the Doctor Who's expanded universe. And that's another thing, actually, when you think about it, it's like, I don't want to say he was the only one doing it at the time or the first, but Russell T. Davis was kind of ahead of the curve on the whole expanded universe thing when you think about it. Like, he had, like, Doctor Who and then the Sarah Jane Adventures and then Torchwood all existing in their own universe, and then they came together for that big crossover episode in the uh, in season four of Doctor Who's, I think it was, it was a finale. Yeah. Uh, I think, I'm pretty sure he took a, quite a bit of inspiration from um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and things like Star Trek as well. Um, for viewers who are as as old as me and remember such programs. I mean, they had spin-off shows and expanded universes and they would sometimes come together for special episodes and and what. Yeah, that's true. I don't want to say it never happened, but like it kind of, yeah, it, but, almost, it um, almost seems yeah. like, like it, this was just before, like, doc, like there was the Davis era of Doctor Who was sort of just before like, the, like say the MCU took off, which is the probably the biggest known like expanded universe, and I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not trying to say that they got the idea from Russell T. Davis, but you know, like I just think he beat them to it a little bit. But, like, but yeah, sure but things were things were very well um, fought out throughout the entire series, especially with, like the the arcs of the you know, the bad wolf stuff and uh, and later episodes, the the master stuff and that. It wasn't just sort of made up as he went along. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I wonder, do you think almost like, say he had these characters like Adam and Captain Jack and things like that, and do you think, would you wonder if maybe he introduced some of them and then sort of waited to see which ones caught on and then kept the ones that, like Captain Jack, uh, was the clear favourite and things like that, so he brought him back maybe? I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking that. But... No, I think I think when you look at the character's arc and what happens with him, uh, the end of the series he probably was always that character probably was always meant to have sort of like a recurring role and i think 
Torchwood was always in his in his mind. It's just you know finding the right actor for the for the job, I, I suppose. Yeah, and like in any other episode, the introduction of Captain Jack would have just been enough. But they also bring in one of the best monsters that this <laughs> the show's ever had as well. Yeah, I think you sort of. Uh, I mean, as I said before, for lack of a better word, I think it's almost a disservice to to call it a monster. I don't know what you'd really refer to it as. It's a very, it's a very strange and an eerie threat, isn't it? You know, uh, it's it's only a it's only a child, but it's um, as you find out, it's 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 not wearing a gas mask. It's uh, it's fused to his face, isn't it? And uh, yeah. The uh, the physical injuries is plague thing, which is something that they bring up later, and how like the, yeah, like it's spreading almost as an infection, but it's it's causing physical injuries. It's such a good idea that I might well steal it and use it as an idea for a Dungeons and Dragons campaign that I run. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's really brilliant. I think like, the idea of like, you know, like a broken arm being transmitted to someone. I mean, I know it's not a broken arm in this case, but like, and then you have the um. Well, like when that Dr. Constantine transforms later? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, Dr. Constantine, and you won't believe this, Sean, but it's special guest star Richard Wilson. You see what I did there? You've probably never <laughs> seen more of Foot in the Grave, have you? Because you, 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 I keep forgetting you're a, you're a baby. Yeah, I've heard of it. And, uh, yeah, getting back to the episode at hand. Yeah, um Supposedly, I star Richard Wilson as Dr. Constantine. And yeah, all his patients have got exactly the same injuries, which is uh, very strange. Yeah, we've seen he was off one foot in the grave. Yeah, so he was um, the main character. All right. Because well, I thought, I did, just his... to be honest, truthfully, I did think I recognized his face. And that was his catchphrase. I don't believe it. Of course, he's done other stuff as well. Don't suppose you mentioned that he didn't do that in the episode anyway, did he? No, no. <laughs> Should have done it when that woman's leg grew back. Yeah, that would have been genius, actually. Well, he, do, I mean, he plays quite a good part in this as well. He, he's got a good line out, like when he's very clearly sick, and the doctor says, "You're very sick," and he goes, "Dying, I think. I just haven't found the time." Yeah. <laughs> you might yeah. say that he's one foot in the. Anyway, so <laughs> very clever, very clever, like it. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, um, we also have um, Captain Jack uh, rescuing Rose from the barrage balloon with a, a tractor beam, and he he mistakes her for a time agent, doesn't he? Yeah, and I love how Rose just goes with it the whole episode. He's just like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a time agent. And then she says it to the doctor later on, and then even he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah I mean, there's great chemistry between Rose and Jack, and uh, you can tell the characters sort of have a mutual attraction there. Yeah. Rose and the... Well, even Jack and the doctor have good ones, like, later on with the doctor's insecure yeah. sonic screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so like who has a sonic screwdriver because I do <laughs> oh, I bet like everybody says that at least you can put some shelves up in a pinch yes <laughs> that's what it is, the asset talk 
Because wait, we need to escape that set. Because well, I've got a banana and a pinch. You could put up some shelves. <laughs> yes, so, so, although what I said, I don't think we've done disservice to uh, the empty child yet. So, like, what, what did you think of it when you first seen it? Because it's like, I think it's probably as creepy as Doctor Who gets. Yeah, um, I did find it very creepy. The whole, you know, the 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 little child of the gas mask asking everyone if uh, you're, are you my mummy? Um, and the fact that it can seem to control things as well, electrical devices, like the bit where um, Nancy um, has all the kids around that um, bloke's table, doesn't he, when they, when they go down into their bunkers. Which, in and of itself, is also a great idea. Like, that could be a story on its own, then. I like the, like the, the idea of, like, this Jeez. woman leading street urchins around, yeah. stealing people's food in the Blitz while they're all hiding in the shelters. I thought that was really yeah. cool. Eating all eating the food off the table and um, yeah, then the the radio, well the wireless, should I say, back in them days, starts tuning in and are you my mommy? It's uh, yeah, very creepy. But it works well because you can still hear the music in the background as well, mm. and then you get the really good bit when they're all like running around, and. Um... And then, like, the little toy gorilla starts doing it as well, like, really slowly, like, clapping the symbols and stuff. Oh, great. Uh, what did you think of Nancy as a character? Um, I, I really liked her. I thought she was, like, uh, you know, presented as quite a strong, um, you know, a strong character, but then she shows vulnerability at the end of the episode when, when it's needed. Yeah, she's brilliant. Um, she's another one of these... I guess I guess I feel like I say this every week, but Doctor Who's got a really good at least I mean this I don't necessarily want to say the other errors didn't, but this their Doctor Who covering certainly does. Uh of even just like characters who aren't in it much, they establish them really quickly as likable and uh, relatable and cool, frankly. Like like Nancy's really cool for one like the way she deals with that guy who tries to call the police on her. Yeah, like yeah, she, like, yeah, she's she really, really put him in a really put in in this place, didn't she? Uh, I enjoyed that scene, yeah. It's just like, where are you getting this all torch? this food from? And... <laughs> it's like, and I want to leave you, I want to use your bathroom before you leave. It's so like, oh shit. <laughs> and I'll have some wire cutters while you're at it. Yeah, this is great. Um, yeah, I also like a story as well of like, like she was a teenage mother and like sort of 1930s, 1940s Britain, and that would have been very frowned upon, and so she lied about it. And apparently, yeah. in the original, in the original draft of the script, Jamie's father was going to be a German as well, which would have added more to the stigma of it. Yeah, but they don't mention anything about the father in the end, which I think is the right, which I think is the right call, actually. It's probably Jack. That'd <laughs> be a twist. But um, but yeah, because she says she's. She's this, um, well, it's a brother at first, doesn't she, when she sort of um, explains to the doctor what what's kind of what's kind of happened. The bomb fell. He's not, well, not the bomb, but the, the, uh, the medical, it's like a medical container, isn't it, that Jack, Jack sends to Earth trying to sell to Rose and Doctor, who he thinks are time agents. I don't know, is it? Is it implied that Jack's one did it, or that he was just killed with a bomb and then 
Jack's like ding land near him because Jack mentions that he programmed the flight computer not land on anything living. Yeah. Um, I mean, either be, way, the story works. But, but I know, I know, a bomb, a bomb's gonna land on that spot in a in a certain time, isn't it? So it's all it's all that Carney gets them to cough up the money for this um, ambulance, which hasn't got anything in it, and then the bomb blows it up, and he hightails it before anybody realizes what's happened. Yeah, it's quite a good con. I like the way. Yeah, it is. Yeah. He's and not, he talks um, about it. he's like the like the he's, London Blitz is great for con artists. He's like Pompey's nice if you want to make a vacation. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's not a bad bad person. More like a sort of petty sort of petty sort of crook, really, well, isn't he? I'd compare him to like Han Solo when you meet Han Solo in the original trilogy. Like he's that sort of he's like that sort of criminal like he doesn't say like you know he wouldn't sell anyone out he's not evil but he like you know he's, he's manipulative and he's a con artist and things like that but yeah it turns out this um space ambulance isn't as empty as he falls and it's full of something called nanogenes which um found um the empty child the boy in question and tried to repair him but because these nanogenes hadn't um, across humans before they they didn't know what was right or wrong so they, they sort of did a bit of a bodge job for a lack of a better word yeah i want to point out as well linking to that um like this episode's quite a good mystery as well i like as to watch as an audience like you can sort of piece you can try to piece together what happened to yourself like you're, you're provided yeah. with all of the evidence so like, yeah like i said yeah, you can make a good like his right then when the doctor explains it all at the end you'd be like oh did i get it right or not to... yeah it's, it's because a... we see the nanogenes on captain jack's ship earlier yeah it's sort of teased out isn't it as you say through through the episode and it's it is good you know wondering what's happened and what's happening to people and it's quite um quite a disturbing visual and um, I know we've mocked the effects of Doctor Who but I, I think they were quite decent on this when um, yeah, Doctor Constantine absolutely. sort of as you said turns into the gas mask it sort of pushes Fair up and through his mouth doesn't it and it's uh, quite horrendous really yeah bearing in mind it was made on a budget 15 years ago like yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that's pretty impressive the BBC didn't exactly allocate Doctor Who, especially the first season, a massive budget because they weren't really sure how well it would do. Yeah, and I like the um, I like Constantine's transformation. I like even the start of it when he tells the Doctor to stay back, and then he just starts like saying the mummy thing, and it's like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Also, one bit we've got to mention as well, um, when the when oh what is it when when the and when the like the cliffhanger happens, it's like, oh god, they're all getting like you know they're all getting surrounded by the the monsters, and then the doctor resolves this by telling them all to go to their room. Yeah, I've I've never been a massive fan of that to be honest. Really? Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I know they're sort of asking for their mummy, but uh, I don't know. I'm not convinced that would that would actually work. It just came across as a bit. For me, it just it just always come across as a bit silly. But it's the only, it's my only down point of uh, the episode. To be honest, I'm 
I was pulling at hairs perhaps on that one, but I was I've never been a fan of that go to your room thing. Oh, so it's one of my it's one of my favorite bits. Um, I think it works, but I also like I, I think it works in that episode especially because of course it's a child, mm. so it responds like a child. But also I like how it's a cliffhanger that the doctor actually was resolved because I think a lot of these cliffhangers can be the equivalent of someone running into the ring with a steel chair and just hitting the monster and everyone escapes. <laughs> but like, and actually Mickey literally does that in uh, End of the World. He runs in with a wooden chair and hits the steel with a two jack. He can run away. But like, I like how this cliffhanger was actually resolved by the Doctor using his knowledge and wit rather than just like an outside force saving him. Well, you say knowledge and wit, but he just, he just say, well, I'm glad that worked. Those would have been awful last words. Oh well, yeah, it was a gamble. I knew it was a gamble, but <laughs> you know. But, I mean, he does he does make a comedy moment out of it with that. But I still, I don't know. I've still always been a bit iffy on um, on that, to be honest. Well, you got to remember, remember is the, the measure of genius and stupidity is success. They, did it work? Yes, and the doctor's a genius. <laughs> if it had failed, he would have been regarded as an idiot. Well, yeah, I liked it. You did fair enough. But... Yeah. Then what did um, you make? Go on. No, you go on. You, 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 you. As I say, what did, what did you make about how things uh, on the episode um, resolved? You know, when they find well, out. This that... is a point, actually. I wanted to ask. What well, this is? I will. I will. May I answer your question with a question? <laughs> um, would you agree that this is one of the like? in terms of theme of the darker episodes we've reviewed so far. Yeah. But, right, not only does no one die in this episode, in these two episodes, which is the first of the, uh, of the whole season to do this so far, the Doctor brings people back to life who had died off screen before the episode started. So in this, like, horrendous, I think it's a, it's a real credit, and that's not a criticism, it's a real credit to the tone of the episode and how well it's written, that even though no one actually dies, and in fact, in terms of lives, we like make a net profit almost. If you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, they, like it increases rather than decreases or stays the same. It still can yeah. really dark, and I think it's a real testament to it. So I really like the end. And you get that old lady whose leg grew back, which is which is quite funny. But my leg, it, it wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> then the guy, Doctor Constance, like, well, there was a war on. Is it possible you miscounted? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, and also, um, um, I think the reveal of um, Nancy being, as you've already mentioned, being the the lad's mum was was good. Then it's a good uh, twist. Yeah, very. Uh, it packs an emotional punch as well. To be fair, it's very it's very moving, and the doctor's there hoping that um, the nano genes will uh, recognise Nancy as. Um, the sort of the mother and the you know the the superior um, superior gene pool and realise what the boy should be like. Yeah, and they it's... do, don't they? And they start putting, as you say, they start putting everyone right and curing everyone properly. But the doctor, um, I really like the doctor breaking down and yeah, like how it all happened as well. And directing it at Jack because you can tell he's really angry with Jack. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, 
getting it now, are we? And Jack just goes, oh, God. <laughs> but I also love the doctor them some story of life. When Rose goes, the nanogenes can bring people back to life. And he goes, what's life? Life's nothing. A quirk of matter. Nature's way of keeping meat fresh. And say, well, <laughs> that's one way of looking at it, yeah, I guess. And the bomb is uh, still imminent. That's um, going to land on that spot. And we think Jack's um, just done one, but he's actually gone to uh, stop the bomb with his tractor beam, hasn't he? He, um, he tries to uh, well, tries to get rid of it. We see him in the ship, don't we? And he's there's not a lot he can do, is the bollocks of it. He's uh, He's uh, pretty much doomed himself. So I like the fact yeah. that he, uh, what's his old emergency protocol something, and uh, he gets like a cigar and like a martini or, or some yeah. sort of drink, which is quite <laughs> quite funny. Good. Last time I was sentenced to death, I ordered four hypervodkas for breakfast. <laughs> Don't remember much after that. And then woke up in bed with both my executioners. <laughs> they stayed in touch. Lovely couple. <laughs> Jack's just the best. He's just he is the best, the literal best. He's like he's almost like a a space James Bond in a sense, isn't he? Well, yeah, he's like a playboy superhero. That's a good way of looking at it. Actually, he's almost like sort of Han Solo cross with James Bond. I guess you could. (laughs) That might be the best, the best combination. But yeah, I guess I love this episode. Like, um, if I had to pick up like a sort of a top three moments, I'd give it. Um, Dr. Constantine's transformation probably be number one. Go to, no, 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 number one, which we haven't talked about somehow. Because <laughs> no, why we haven't talked about it because there's so much good in this in these two episodes. The bit where they go to the child's room and they like put the tape recorder on and they just like listen to it and then you know they, they sort of break down like like oh you know it's like terrified it's. Got, Oh, and I just, I just sent it to his room. The doctor said, hey, you can hear the child still talking, but you can hear this weird sort of like uh, flickering noise of the tape going on in the background. And then Rose says, what's that? And then you see the look of comprehension on the doctor at the end of the tape. And then he turns around and the child's there. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> Are you my mummy? Yeah. And then I'm going to I'm gonna try and get uh, our editor to... to put that in the beginning of the um, beginning of the pod so uh, hopefully if you listen to this you've already heard uh, the, the disturbing sounds of are you my mummy yeah that's one of those things where like you could like like you could say that and like a lot of people wouldn't know what you're talking about you know what I mean like it's sort of it's become like a catchphrase almost like exterminate and mm. delete for the cybermen and things like that like, are you my mummies but it's, it's, a, it's a simple like it's a simple question, and you know, it's an everyday word, mummy, and it's it's a warming, it's a, you know, it's a warm, nice word, but he's somehow he's made it so dark and creepy somehow, hasn't yeah. he? It's just and so Doctor Who's so much genius. That's Doctor Who's speciality. Like if you look at the Weeping Angels, if you look at the Autons, it's making the everyday seem creepy in some way. Mm. That's what Doctor Who does really well. And um, I like, we've already mentioned the twist of Nancy being uh, the boy's mother, but I the twist is almost hidden in plain sight all along, because he's asking, like, well, are you my mummy? And then 
Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's her. He's it's her. He's always following. It's just a Mitch. I don't think she's. Uh, I think she's always passed herself off as his sister, even even to him. Whether though he's even the child, maybe has had an inkling that perhaps she is his mum. Kids yeah. aren't always as kids aren't always as daft as uh, we think they are. Yeah, it's often to be honest. I think often again, go, as much as Doctor Who is a family show, of course, like it, because it's well, not not as much as it's a family show. Because it's a family show, it has a big child audience as well. And I think a lot of the failings of shows like these are when they try to dumb stuff down because they don't think kids will understand it. Kids yeah. are a lot smarter. Than kids are grateful. I mean, kids will kids actually see a lot of things uh, adults miss. To be, to oh, be yeah, fair. Well, I was going to say. Yeah. Like so, like sometimes, like my little brother who's eleven will come out with like and say these things or say something, and I'd be like, "How do you know that? Like, that's brilliant, that's genius." Mm. Like, yeah, like I said, I think that's a big feeling of a lot of these shows is when they try to dumb stuff down for kids because kids will see through it. Definitely, and um, mean, yeah, that yeah. like that would be my favorite moment. Uh, I couldn't really rank them, but Doctor Constantine's transformation would be up there. Yeah, definitely. It's one of the it's one of the more creepy moments, especially um, this season. Anyway, um, it, you know, it's just the way it sort of, as I say, forces its way up up his throat and through his mouth. It is especially for a kids show. It is quite a, quite a disturbing scene, actually. Yeah, and um, I like it. To be fair, there's another one. It's not quite as good, but it's still really good. Um, when Nancy gets uh, locked up with this soldier who's uh, oh, not yes. feeling well. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. There's so much good in these two episodes. We probably will miss something. We probably missed the best bit because there's just so much good going I, on. I did. I did watch it a fortnight ago. So uh, fair. That's why. I, that's why I like to try and watch them maybe a day or two days before we record at, at the um, at the latest, so I can remember as much as possible. Because even with notes, you. You you can't remember recall everything, but yeah, she's she's practically begging uh, the, the the army officer not to leave her with that with that guy, and he just start asking uh, the mummy stuff, doesn't he? And he's like, "What's wrong with you, ma'am?" And she's like, "Please don't leave me with him. Don't leave me with him." And yeah, and then like her solution to it, which I also love, is she sings him a lullaby. Because yeah. it's a child's mind. So, do you prefer that to the go to your room? Um, but it kind of works a little bit because, as as we know it, she, we do find out she's the the boy's mother. So, so perhaps uh, she, she would have that effect. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. For some reason, that does work for me a little bit better than. Uh, the go to your room thing. Yeah. There's a. I mean, I just wanted to point out this as well. I keep going to mention it. I forget, like, Nadzi's another character in this hidden Doctor Who. Guilt. And uh, guilt seems to be a recurring theme in this, this season of time. Yeah. Like, yeah. She, she takes care of the sweet urchins because she, she feels guilty that she let her brother, who. You know, turned out to be a uh, die. Because she let it happen, but in her own mind, that's how she sees it. So yeah, I mean, when these sort of tragedies happen, people have weird, 
sorry, weird ways of rationalising things and and finding thing you know funny ways to blame themselves like oh if I hadn't have said that or hadn't gone to the shop at that particular time and you know or like other, other, other like th- or like Jackie says about Rose's dad dying that stupid vase if he if he hadn't have been buying the vase or something like that you know like but you're right that is how people rationalise these things that's referencing back to Father's Day but but yeah unfortunately accidents accidents do happen and for some reason we have to we have to find we need to find reasons for things and something to blame for some reason but some you know sometimes things do just happen unfortunately uh, maybe I'm talking bullshit. I don't know, but there you go. That's just my opinion on, I think on the matter. This whole, anyway. I mean, this whole podcast is just talking bullshit, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> How dare you? We're talking about one of the better episodes of all time. The greatest podcast hosted by people called Carl and John. That's it. That's it. That's fact. That covers Doctor Who. Very much. So, what were your favourite moments? Let's give me some of yours. As I say, pretty much um, the ending, definitely. You know, really, it really <laughs> got me emotionally that that ending. And, like, what was um, your favourite part of the episode when it was all bloody up? <laughs> I couldn't wait for the end. No, no, that's not what I meant. But the actual, you know, <laughs> the emotion of the part where she admits she's. She's the lad's mother, and um, she sort of holds him, and, and the nanomachines sort of realising their mistakes start correcting everything. And also the bit where, obviously we've already said, Dr. Constantine morphs into the, the I don't know what you, I don't know what to call it, the, the, the mummy monster, but I don't the know. The empty child is... The empty child, I suppose, yeah. As he morphs into the empty child, yeah. Um, it's, it's just creepy. That's no, I would no way to put it really. If you haven't seen this episode, go and watch it. Basically, it's fantastic. It's phenomenal. It's a great story. One it of is. the best stories Doctor Who's ever done. Written by Stephen Moffat as well. Yeah, he, he has wrote some uh, really good episodes, Stephen Moffat. To be fair. He's a great writer, questionable showrunner, but a great writer. <laughs> mm. Yeah, uh, when he took over the show, it, I don't know. It, it wasn't awful by any means, but some of the wouldn't end his stories is what I found in a lot of it. Like, like each season sort of ended with a cliffhanger as to like what would happen next rather than just like ending a story and stories need endings that's mm. part of a good story they have to end I think he also made the Doctor like this is going to sound weird but the centrepiece of the show the Doctor is the main character but like say in a Russell T. Davis era he was mainly just like he was just a guy who liked going on adventures basically <laughs> what it boiled down to but in the sort of Moffat era he became like the single most important being in the universe and was majestic and wonderful and beautiful and that's all the characters would ever talk about yeah. I could do a whole rant on Stephen Moffat, but I won't. It'd be in another podcast. Mm. 
<laughs> if you ever want to do an easy podcast, call just just do it on Supermarket and I'll talk for an hour, and you can just go and do something else. Well, <laughs> while I rant. But yeah, um, we're getting towards the end of the season as well. I think there's three episodes left. Am I am I correct? Yeah, Boom Town, the long game, and the parting of the ways. Yeah. No, the the no. long game was. I know, bad, bad wolf, though, obviously. It was That's it. Where's the bad wolf reference in this episode as well? Is there one? I'm not too sure, actually. If there was, if there was, I must have missed it. That's how good the episode was. wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, um, I like the next episode quite a lot in a sort of cheesy way. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind it. It's not one of the... Um, best episodes but it's certainly not one of the worst either but we'll uh we'll say one of yeah token budget episode that comes up in yeah basically it's almost like a a buffer between this good one and then um the uh the superb end of season it's like i mean we probably have to talk about this given the rest of the podcast it's kind of like the next episode is when you have like a a sort of like you have a really good match and then a sort of quieter match and then the main event. Like the next one's the quieter match, <laughs> but it's yeah. still a fun episode. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't know, I think we, I think we might overdo the wrestling analogies on this pod. To be honest, not everybody watch, not everybody watches Doctor Who is gonna be a wrestling fan. In fact, there's people, but there's listeners out there thinking, what are they going on about? They'd probably think that for the whole episode to be fair. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's that's a that's a fair point. Well made. So, is there anything else you want to add about this episode before we uh, we sign off? I'll just have a quick thing because there's so much good in it. Um, I think we've gone over all the key points. Like I said, can't stress enough just how good of a character Captain Jack is and goes on to become as we watch the show. Um, the the monster's brilliant. The yeah, characters, really all the acting's <laughs> on point. The chemistry between the characters is great. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's it, basically. <laughs> What's good about I this mean, episode? Everything. <laughs> going back, going back to the we call the monster, the empty child. It, it's not, it's not really a monster, but it manages to be more creepy than. Things like the Slovene and um, what have you. It's just something, I don't know, maybe because it is a child. It's just something not quite right about it. Is well, like, it's like you said earlier, it's really something that should be sweet and innocent turns mm. sinister. There's that disconnect yeah, mind. Mm. It's, just, it's just a genius concept altogether, all to be fair. And it's one of the few that when I mentioned to Nathan, he was, oh, oh I remember that one. And he's not even a, a Doctor Who fan, but you know, it, it sort of sticks it sticks with you somehow. Um I and I, I remember really like I said, to anyone who's seen it before and think like, Oh yeah, I remember that one, I liked it. I really liked it before we rewatched it. And then when we rewatched it, I liked it. I realised I liked it even more. So yeah. even if you have seen it, go back and rewatch it. I'm the same. I forgot. I forgot how much of an emotional punch um, is 
in that ending scene between Nancy and, and her brother, and uh, I wasn't quite prepared for it. It got me in the feels. It did. Sure, right in the feels. I've got to admit. All right. Um, um, do you want to got any plugs, Sean? Where can people find you? And people can find me on the Clash of Champions review that we should quest hopefully be recording tomorrow night. Uh, I don't know if it'll go up before this because we're time travelers, Colin. We don't know these things, do we? This could be. This well, I, could be. I've actually traveled in time into the two days into the future. Uh, I think this might go up tomorrow, actually, if he's if Nathan's got nothing else. So it might be up Wednesday with any luck, unless Nathan's got something on the back burner I've forgotten about, which is more than possible. You can also find me uh, on Twitter at my Twitter handle, which I can't remember. But that is me. I always so forget just mine. Look at pictures because that's <laughs> where <where's my>, yeah. <laughs> It's something Sean Campbell. Forget it? the name of the episode as well. Forget everything. <laughs> I, I couldn't even remember what we call the podcast. I had to stop and start again. Well, probably a professional, so you won't get all. <laughs> we you won't get all that. You'll, you, you'll you never know. Also, I'll be doing that punishment podcast as well. Jeez. Yeah, no. uh, but yeah, you can you can find me at uh, Carlos uh, underscore Fire eighty nine on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we've got pods coming out all over the place. There's Naked Man, where uh, our newest recruit Reese Saunders substitutes for Ben as Ben's away, but Ben will be back in the next instalment of. Um, Naked Men which will be coming your way soon there's a new episode of um, Kayfabe Court if you haven't checked that out yet um, make sure you do as um, they, they um, I think they discover who stole the AWE title it's me Arsenal <laughs> it was me it was me all along so yeah if you want to if you want the big scoop if you want to find out who scored the All Elite Wrestling Heavyweight Championship tune in to Kayfabe Court for irrefutable proof of who it was well, that's well, it for of me course, we have much more in our Rogue Opinions back catalogue. So if you want to go on Anchor or uh, Podbean, wherever you enjoy your favourite, that's it. Spotify. I don't think we're on Podbean anymore, actually. But yeah, Spotify. Don't find us. Don't listen to the podcast on there. Listen to the ones on Spotify. You'll find us if you look. You'll find us. iTunes, Apple. We're taking it. We're slowly taking over the world. It's not very quiet. Sorry, right, he's still he's still alive, aren't you sure? Yeah. <laughs> Sighing. <Nice. laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, it's goodbye from me. Yeah!